to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and with me today is the editor of the podcast, Jeff Schutze. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing good. All right, very good. So let's start off, first off, with just talking about different events going on right now. So first up, this is very exciting. They just announced the Annie nominees for the 45th Annie Awards, which will be taking place next year, February 2018. And I am very excited to announce that Loud House was nominated for an outstanding achievement for production design in an animated television and broadcast production category for Tricked, which is the Halloween episode. And the crew members that have been nominated for the Annie our very own Amanda Rinda, the art director, Larry Murphy and Edgar Duncan, two of our background layout designers, Hallie Wilson, who is one of our background painters, and Jared Morgan, who is one of our prop designers. So congratulations to everyone on the team. That's really exciting and I really hope to get it because that would be really cool to see them up on stage. And then also Alex Kwan, who is a previous Animated Journey podcast guest she was nominated for Outstanding Achievement for Storyboarding in an Animated Television Broadcast Production for her storyboards for Nico and the Sword of Light. So congratulations, Alex. Nice. That's, yeah, it's really cool. It's like, hey, people we know. Yeah, Hopefully really cool. win awards. And then also going on, right now you can save 25% on CTNX for next year. Next year is the 10th anniversary, so if you've always wanted to go to CTNX, or if you've gone before and you want to save 25% off your ticket, you have until December 31st to sign up for that, and we'll have a link in the show notes. And also, I checked out the exhibitor signups, and that is coming soon. It's not yet up there, but they have a little marquee saying they will soon have that. So as soon as they have that, we'll let you guys know as well. And also, the third annual Ground Zero Animation Expo is currently accepting applications if you want to be a professional artist over at the event or if you're an up-and-coming artist, you can submit your application to get in on that. It's going to be Saturday, June 9th through Sunday, June 10th. So make sure to submit your application right now. I submitted my application. Woo! Jeff! Did you submit your application? Are you thinking about it? I haven't yet, but I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about what panels I could contribute to Mm -hmm. and then be an exhibitor as well. So I'm thinking freelance animation and comics for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I could say a lot about web comics specifically and yeah, the life of a freelance animator. Mm -hmm. Sure. You could talk about exhibiting at Comic-Con. Yeah. You could talk about podcasting. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yep. So all, right. all of those... I have no excuses. I you have no excuses. <laughs> I, I guess what I'm trying to do is I'm I'm trying to very, in a very friendly way, peer pressure you <laughs> into exhibiting at Fan Alley because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it would be fun. But I think but, I, think I will pressure. do it. I'll decide yeah. in the next few days. I'm yeah. Sure. No pressure. Yo. No pressure. Okay. If you decide right. not to, but even if you don't exhibit, hope you can go because it is yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. I, if I don't exhibit i'll definitely come down and check it out and also i know that every year uh, cassie and chris our friends over at ink yeah. and paint girls and animation network they've been going for the past couple of years yeah. so hopefully they will be there as well so we can all hang out cool so that would be really cool that'd be fun yeah and speaking of cool i am 
So excited for today's guest, one of my dear friends from school, Joseph Coleman, a fantastic animator who recently animated on a little project that you guys may have heard of. It's called Cuphead. Yes. It's kind of amazing. You've actually played this game, which yeah. I've not really played it. What's yeah. it like? It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard game. He, In the interview, he says that it's difficult, and he was not kidding. But it is so beautiful. It's worth the blood, sweat, and tears to get to the next level just to see these beautiful, you know, this beautiful animation and illustration. The boss design is excellent and like nothing you've seen in a video game. It's amazing. Very awesome. And Joseph had a hand not only in animating, but also creating some of the designs for those bosses and other characters. And we are so happy that he's on the podcast today. I just want to give everyone a little bit of heads up. We were recording in a room that was a little bit echoey, so you'll notice that echo in the podcast. But that does not take away from the fact that Joseph is amazing. And I know that all of you out there will love hearing what he has to say. So without further ado, I am super stoked to be presenting episode 60, Interview with Joseph Coleman. Okay, so my guest today is Joseph Coleman. Joseph, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show. We've been wanting to talk for a while now, so it's great to have you. Thanks for having me. It's definitely a pleasure. All right, so we always like to start off with people's origin stories and how they got into this crazy business. So, Joseph, where are you from? I'm from Macon, Mississippi, a very small town, a town where everybody really does know your name. So it's very slow-paced there. That's where I was raised, and that's when I started getting into the arts because there were very limited things to do as far as creatively, and art was really my outlet. I did many hobbies. I did skateboarding, riding a bike, roller skating, so on and so forth. And arts was just the one thing that stuck to me, art and video games. So I developed my art skills when I was a kid. And it was really just a hobby. I really didn't even think of it as a career choice. It was just something that I was just inclined to do. And it wasn't until I went to high school and I met up with my art teacher. And she was the one that told me like, hey, you have a skill and you need to foster this skill for a career. And she really opened my eyes to a different world that I did not know for the first 17, 18 years of my life. And she really got me into art contests and different things of that nature, different programs. And she's the one who told me, go to school for this. And I went to Memphis College of Art for my undergraduate degree. And that's when I got into animation. And once I graduated from there, I went to grad school soon after. And I got my graduate degree in traditional animation. And once I got done with that, one thing led to another, doing freelance and trying to keep my head above water. And eventually I was able to land a job with Cuphead and it's where I'm at right now. And we will get into all of that, particularly Cuphead, because it is taking the world by storm. It's <laughs> very, very popular, very much one of the new classic beloved games. But let's go back to when you originally went to college. Were you thinking animation the first time around, or were you thinking more of fine art or painting or sculpture or that type of thing? I've always wanted to do animation, but at the same time, the school I was looking into, I didn't even know that they had animation as a program when I first started. I actually went in as a graphic designer. If I can do graphic design, maybe I can do animation for commercials or something like that. So when I got into my freshman year, 
that's when I learned that they actually had a animation program the first year as soon as I got there that's when they first had a major for that so I switched over and thankfully your freshman year you're getting your basics so you're not really pursuing your major yet until you're in your sophomore career so I was able to switch over and in 2008 my sophomore year is when I actually started doing animation and they did not teach you just one thing it was more like we're going to teach you the digital side of it first and then we're going to teach you 3d animation stop motion animation after effects and so on and so forth so they gave us the whole spectrum of animation as well as filmmaking so coming out of undergrad it was really weird because it's like okay i learned so much but i have to think of something that's more focused so that's when i decided to go to grad school because i wanted to focus on traditional animation because it was like okay if I learn traditional animation, then I can use it as a foundation for, you know, 3D or whatever, because those foundations are found in traditional. So that's when I decided to go to grad school and actually learning from grad school is that learning how to get into the industry as well as learning my traditional skills. So I think the path that I took as far as my career in college and stuff really worked for me because I think both undergrad and grad school gave me two different insights. One gave me insight on how to be creative, how to be flexible, and how to have range with my skills. And grad school taught me how to think as a industry individual, how to work as a business person, how to network and so on and so forth. That's fantastic. And that's something that is really good to hear, especially when you talk about both aspects of it and the business side, because that's something that a lot of people don't get in mm -hmm. art school. And then when you get out of art school and you realize, oh, this is a business, yeah. that floors people. When <laughs> really does. Trust me. For me, this is one of the things that I just did not get in undergrad is that this is a business like being conceptual is a great strength is an invaluable strength but there's two sides to everything and you have to know how to actually maneuver in the industry you gotta know how to talk to people you gotta know where to look for jobs and that's how you survive it's just not on skill alone it's about getting out there and networking and a lot of people they fall to the wayside because they don't really get that understanding that is true and how did you pick academy of art for grad school because i know that there's a wide range of schools out there so what led you to that one me and my girlfriend we were dating when we was in undergrad and she graduated before me so she was looking into graduate programs because she wanted to pursue fashion design so she got a book from the Academy of Art and in that book it just showed that the mission was you know no matter what major that you chose to be in it was all about getting into the industry and she saw that it had animation in it and she saw that I was about to graduate as well and I was in that mindset like I don't know what I'm going to do after graduate school I feel like I haven't learned all that I need to know and learn and she told me to just look into this program in the Academy of Art and I did and she and I both applied for the school and we both was able to get in and attended so that's pretty much how I got into the Academy. Okay once you're in the Academy take the courses mm -hmm. you graduate yeah. How did you land that first job? Oh, wow. It was not easy. When I first graduated, I had no jobs waiting on me. I was applying for jobs. But then I realized that just applying for companies, you just was not going to do. I have to work. So I just spent a good year doing freelance, looking at different websites and applying for jobs. People are always looking for work, some cheaper than others. So it's all about navigating through all the mess and stuff and just picking out the right person who can pay you what you feel like you should be paid. So that was a journey in of itself. So throughout all of that, I was able to get a job part-time at the Academy of Art as a lab technician to keep me afloat 
and so I was doing two jobs and eventually I was approached by my former teacher at the academy. His name is Hannah Abihana and he's on the project of Cuphead as well. So he approached me with this project that he said he was working on and at the time I did not know what it was. He said, I feel like you'll be good at it because I taught you and I seen what you're able to do and I think you'll be a great match for this job. So he approached me, we had a sit down and he showed me that it was Cuphead. And my, this is in 2015. So around this time, the only thing I've known the Cuphead was the trailer that everyone has seen. And I was like, oh, this is a really cool game. So I was like, you actually working on this? I can't turn it down, you know, a job's a job. So he got me onto the project and I was doing part-time work at this time. And because Chad and Jared Modenhauer, the two brothers who is over the whole thing, they did not really know me that well. So I was working in a very limited capacity. So I was doing in-betweens when I first got on. So basically in-betweens are when the lead animator do all the key poses and breakdowns and I have to fill in the gaps. So I was doing that for a while. And once they got comfortable with my work and Hannah got comfortable with my work, they were able to allow me to do other things on the project, such as character designs and coming up with animations on my own. So eventually, they love the work that I've produced for them and they actually offered me a full-time job and I took it. It was a no-brainer. So I signed the contract and it was all she wrote. We've been going on almost three years strong now. And what's it like working for a company where you're freelancing and they're in Canada mm -hmm. and you're here in Los Angeles and other members of the team are in other countries and other mm -hmm. states as well? What is it like to have everybody spread out like that? You would think it would be awkward, but it's really not. That's the magic of technology. We all have a forum that we connect to with each other. So as far as my experience go personally, I had Hannah to communicate with as far as a constant team member because he allowed me into his home to work because I was living in a hotel in San Francisco in the size of a closet at that. Oh my gosh. So I didn't really have the space for an animation table or scanner or anything like that. So Hannah and his wife now, they were kind enough to allow me to come into their home and work with them. So communicating was really easy because we would actually have daily talks each day on the computer and stuff, just like a little form. And they'll tell me what they wanted me to do and we'll go back and forth with feedback. And once we come to a decision of what we wanted, I just bang it out and send it in and it's done. And it's kind of funny because after all this time, none of the teammates have met each other until this year. So we talk to each other on this form for two and a half years, almost three years now. We never met each other. We don't know how each other sound or anything. And we met each other at the launch party, which is September 29th of this year. And it was like we were a family. <laughs> you know, we meet each other for the first time. And it's like we've known each other for years. It was a very refreshing thing. It just shows how humble everyone was on this project because meeting everybody, like we all had the same sense of humility. We can't believe we've done this, that we are all part of this project and we were able to put it off together and it was just one of those things we were able to constantly motivate each other showing our artwork and not knowing what everyone else was doing at any given moment really kept not only the motivation going but it kept the surprises as well i think that's the one thing that a lot of people probably won't even think about or know is that when the game was released everything was new to us as well because we only have such a limited perspective all i know is the work that i'm doing and the work that everybody else chooses to put out so when i was playing the game I was seeing characters for the first time. I was seeing backgrounds for the first time. I was listening to music for the first time. So it was as much of a new experience for me as it was for the gamers. And I think I can speak for everybody outside of the programmers that 
it was a new experience because we don't know how anything looks in its totality until it's actually published. So it was a great experience. I wouldn't trade it for the world. That's wonderful. And let's talk now about other roles that you played working on Cuphead because mm -hmm. you went from being an in-betweener, yes. being one of the animators, to mm -hmm. also doing character design. So how did that come about? I think it was just a natural progression. When Chad and Jared saw my work, they saw the quality of my work and they were like, hey, we're very limited on staff. And I think that's the strength of working at a smaller studio is that you have to do different things because you don't have the luxury of having isolated departments as you would have at a big studio like Disney or DreamWorks. So they're like, hey, can you do some designs for us and some animations for us? And I was like, sure. You know, that's no problem at all. So by giving them my first round of concepts, I guess they just felt confident in the work that I was able to produce. And it was like, hey, just go full blast with it. And I think that was one of the best things about working on the project is the creative freedom they came with it. And I think it's because Chad and Jared, they were humble in knowing that they needed to have insight from the artist that they just couldn't force out. So they were like, hey, just give us your best illustration, your best idea. Like, we're not going to hinder you. Like, here, this is a theme that we're going with for this particular level. Here is a drawing that we're going to give you as a basis and just go wild with it. And we were able to just do our own research and put our own feeling and our own life experience into each and every one of our characters. And I I think early on you see the magic in that and you see the passion in what was produced because of that. That is great. And you design some of the main villains for Covenant. So let's talk about that because I love yes. the story. When I was doing in-betweens, like I said, I was doing concept designs. So some of the earliest bosses that I actually did designs for were King Dice. There's a character in the game that's a domino and a cigar and so on and so forth. So I designed a lot of the mini boss characters and stuff like that. But it was animated by the other team members. So the two main bosses that I designed and animated were Hildeberg and King Dice. So the process is one where, like I said before, they give you a theme and an idea and you just have to come up with a design for it. It's one of those things where you're putting so much into this pot. Here's an idea, here's an idea, and just like a bunch of mishmash. I'm gonna use Betty Boop as inspiration. I'm gonna use Olive Oil as inspiration. Here's a thousand images of Zeppelins and blimps. I'm gonna throw that in there too. Hey, there's a bicycle, let me throw that in there. Here's a flag, how I'm gonna put a flag in there? You know, there's a weather vane, things of that nature, and you just stir it all up together, and after a couple of hours of trial and errors, and freakish designs coming out of the pot, your character is born. And it is one of those things where it just clicked. And it was like, hey, this is actually working. And it was the result of so many tries and different designs because it went from a bunny character to a duck character, so on and so forth. And it just evolved into what you have now. And as for King Dice, when they gave me an opportunity to create a character, I wanted to create a character that gave honor to black artists of that era. Being black, I feel like it was important that I acknowledged what they were able to accomplish during that particular period in time and the doors they were able to break down for people like us to actually have an opportunity in these industries. So King Dice was based off of Cab Calloway, his whole identity, the way he moves, his personality, everything, and the backgrounds, which were all designed and colored by Caitlin Russell, were inspired by Aaron Douglas, who was one of the most forward-leading painters during the Harlem 
Renaissance. So putting that together, we was able to create this vibrant identity for King Dice. And I really, really appreciate Chad and Jared for allowing us to be able to create a character that means so much to us personally and allowing us to show it to the world. That is really great. I love that. I love that you were able to take your own personal style and your mm. own history and pay homage to people before you. Mm. And that they recognized that and said, that is a great idea. Do yeah. it. And also, I realized we haven't actually talked about what is Cuphead? Because not everybody has played the game. So how would you describe it? Cuphead is a running gun game. It's a game that pays homage to the games of the 1980s, era that's long gone, games that are very hard, very unrelenting, and are pretty much a gauntlet. Anybody who grew up in the 90s or in the 80s, they understand like these games were far more difficult than they are now. You had some easy games here and there, but you had your Contras, your Ninja Guidance, and Battletoads. These games where you were liable to break a controller before you finished the game because of how difficult they were. Life Force was a game that I could not finish without a cheat code because it was so difficult as a kid. So it's just one of those things where it was just to pay tribute to those games because those are the games that Chad and Jerry grew up on. So we wanted to create a game that actually had that challenge, but still was fair and still kept you coming back for more. So Cuphead and Mugman, they were two little boys who got caught up on the wrong side of the tracks and they ended up in a casino where they started gambling, which is a big no-no for kids. And they gambled with the devil and they lost big. So the devil, seeing that they were desperate to save themselves, gave them an option. Either you give me your souls or you collect the souls of other debtors of mine. And Cuphead and Mugman took his offer. So they basically become the repo men of the devil and collect all the souls of would-be deserters of the devil. And that's the game. That is really cool. <laughs> I didn't know that whole backstory. I love it. That is very cool and very original. And you're right, because I was thinking too about some of the games I used to play as a kid before we had Game Genie. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you just had to push pause and hope that the Nintendo wouldn't fry out from that. Because oh, was, yeah. <laughs> you know, you couldn't just stop it. You couldn't hope that maybe it would come back. It's like, no, you were just going to be sitting there for about six or seven hours yep. hoping that you could beat the thing. If that. <laughs> yeah. Or just tire yourself out and be like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> yep. Start back over tomorrow. So I'm really curious, what, if any, are the differences for animating for a video game versus animating for a television show or an animated short? Are there differences or is it pretty much the same? Well, I think with the process of animating for this particular game, it was much different from doing a film or a television show. And that's for once because this is the first time that this type of animation and game emergence was done. So it was a lot of trial and error. You know, there were some moments where it's like, hey, this could have been done more proficiently than other times, so on and so forth. And plus, because Chad and Jared, they did not come from an animation background. So there was not really a strict pipeline set out. But we had enough organization to where we actually made it work. But when you're animating for a film, it's like you have a specific pipeline that you have to adhere to in order to make everything flow seamlessly. And I feel like with Cuphead working on it, it was definitely a new experience for everyone. Because when you're doing the animation, you're not doing animation that is a performance that lasts for seconds or minutes at a time. You're doing loops. So you gotta make sure that the loops are actually working you have to make sure that the pacing of everything is able to 
time up with the mechanics of the game. So you're actually having to work back and forth with the programmers and everyone who's designing the game to make sure that everything is functioning really well or else you're going to have a lot of bugs, a lot of mishaps and so on and so forth. So communication was key and I think it worked out really, really well because like I said, everything was so organized despite not having that pipeline and animation is one of those things where you had the creative side and you had the game design side. So Chad, he was focused on working with all the animators and Jerry, he's focused on doing all the game building. So because you kept everything so concise in that nature, I think they were able to get the ideas out there and get it done and was able to organize it and distill it into a very cohesive batch for the game designers to work with. Definitely different, but not bad at all. That's good. And as far as the game goes, too, with the popularity and the reception for it, was that something that you were anticipating or is this whole thing just blown you away? Well, we followed social media and stuff, so we know that there was a lot of expectations for the game. We were afraid that we were taking such a long time that people were actually starting to get impatient. It's just one of those things where you know that what you're building up to is getting a lot of hype and expectation from people and you want to make sure that you build the best thing possible. So we knew that we had to impress everyone, especially those who are loyal to us. And you don't really get a good sense of the scope of the excitement for the game until it actually comes out or until you actually talk to people. And that's the thing that I've learned because it's one thing to look at social media on different forums and read comments because it's such a small bubble. But when you're actually among the people and you actually talk to them and you see their eyes light up when they talk about your game or they talk about why they feel so connected to your product, it gives you a different perspective. And I remember when I was at E3 of 2016 as a presenter of Cuphead, and I was able to talk to a lot of people, and you had veterans come up to me and was like, hey, I think this game is such a great concept and a product because we had a lot of veterans who like games like this where they build camaraderie and continue camaraderie when you have two guys who want to play co-op with each other and have that no man left behind type of experience or you have a little kid come up and play the game with his dad and stuff you see that something is much bigger than what we're anticipating and even with that being said knowing that we had to create something grand for the people, it was still mind-blowing to see the reception that it received because you just don't know. It's a gamble. It can go both ways. You can have a hit on your hand or you can have a bust. And no amount of talking on forums or any of that is going to mean much of anything until you see the numbers come through or you see the reviews come through. And I think it was just such a humbling experience because you see just how much the world was waiting for this game. And being that we were able to sell a million copies within a few days or a week or so, it was so much to take in. Even now, I don't think any of us still are registering how profound everything is. It is one of those things where I'm just blessed to have experienced it. And hopefully I'm fortunate enough to experience it again because I appreciate every moment of it. I appreciate the people who were able to stick with us and make sure that we stay true to our vision and who continue to support us. Going on Twitter and seeing the fan art, seeing the enthusiasm towards creating their own characters for the game. I think the best thing that came out of this game besides the reception is just the amount of creative energy that it was able to create among the fans and getting them to express their creative language and voice and put out their work to show the world like, hey, 
this is my passion and this is what can come of it as well. It's a great experience. That's fantastic. So mm. since the game has come out, what is your day-to-day -day like now that you're done animating for the game? Mm. What is it that you're currently working on? A lot of merchandising right now because you gotta get the toys out there, you gotta get the plushies and concepts for different stickers. And so that's been pretty much my day-to-day -day. because we signed up with King Features who is like a licensing company and they're charged with distributing all the merchandise. So we have a lot of orders coming in for different things like t-shirt designs, designs for jeans and stuff like that. So it's a constant back and forth and pumping out of work. And because it's one of those things like, oh man, is this it? Am I going to have a job after September 29th? And thankfully we did, <laughs> I'll take it. And plus I enjoy drawing as well. So it's a win-win. Just doing what I love to do is just one of those things where I just can't take for granted. That's good. And it's cool for you to say that too, because no one person's career is typical. But your career is very much not typical. Going from mm. school to going to work on this video game that becomes this international success to now doing a great deal of design. So for those listening that are thinking, I want to do what Joe is doing. What tips or suggestions do you have <laughs> for them to be prepared for this type of thing? I would definitely say don't listen to my journey and try to replicate it. <laughs> That's definitely for one. Do what works for you. Everybody's different. Everybody has their own life to lead. It's great to seek inspiration and insight, but you have to find your own path in the world. And I think that's what I was able to learn early on. And it's that don't get into any career path thinking it's going to be easy. Every job that you do, every new experience is going to have a honeymoon phase. It's going to have that moment where you're on top of the world and everything is bright and sunny and you're going to go up from there. But reality sets in. Things are not always going to be lovely. It's not always going to be sunshine and roses. You're going to meet people who are going to make you upset. You're going to see the business side of it that is going to be ugly. And speaking from my experiences, you know, I had my own journey and I've had experienced so many different emotions. I've experienced frustration. I've experienced weariness and self-doubt. I've had my moments where I was at such a loss that the only thing I could do was just go to sleep. But at the end of the day, the thing that keeps me going is my passion. And I feel like you cannot survive in this world in any career without passion. Because once that honeymoon phase is over, once hell is put on your shoulder, you have to have that foundation to keep you going. And I think that's the downfall for a lot of people. They look at the results, but they don't look at the work and the progression. It's just like with bodybuilding. You see a man able to lift a thousand pounds, but you don't see the blood, sweat, and tears that went into it. You don't see the years of hard work, the clean diet, the stress that he put on his body, his nervous system to be able to lift that. It's just not an overnight thing. You have to suffer through a lot to make this thing work. And anybody who's listening, who is inspired to be an animator or anything in life, do research, look at every avenue that you can. Don't leave any rock unturned. Don't get caught up in the big names, specifically for animation. Don't get caught up in only trying to apply for Disney and Nickelodeon and so on and so forth. That's your dream job, always pursue it. But always remember that there are other jobs that can lead you down a greater path. 
Be diligent. Always perfect your craft. Work at your craft. Don't take any days off. If you do take a day off, at least make sure that it's productive to your creative energy. Just keep that passion burning. That's the simplest thing in the world, but it's the hardest thing to do because, like I said, life brings about so many different obstacles and challenges that obscure your vision. And I think when you have that to fall back on, it can really be your sword and shield. And it really got me through a lot. Even now, I know I'm not the best animator. I don't have the best body of work yet. And I'm still working on being the best that I can be in my craft. But I know that each and every day that I'm able to wake up in a sound body and mind is a day that I can improve myself. Even the days where I don't wanna do anything, I just wanna lay in bed and rest my body. I'm still thinking of what I can do creatively to better myself. And it takes that amount of dedication to make this thing work. And that is, Honestly, that's a level of wisdom that I typically hear from our peers that are in their, you know, 50s and 60s and 70s. So that is amazing. And I'm just really curious, how were you able to come about and figure all of that out so soon in your career? Because there's a lot of people that they're struggling with that Mm -hmm. right now, either in the job that they have or trying Mm -hmm. to get a job. So what was it that put that fire in you where you were able to say, yes, I can do this? Well, I think it's just my life experience. I'm still very young. I'm not even in my 30s yet. But I just think from what all I've seen in life, this world is very ugly. I've seen people who have been miserable doing jobs that they just did not want to do. I've seen people put themselves in the grave really early just to put food on the table. And when you're exposed to this, I think it gives you a different insight and it makes you count your blessings. I know just being able to pursue something that I love to do, drawing was a hobby of mine. Art was a passion of mine early on. Like To be able to continue indulging in something that I've held dear to me since I was a child is a blessing. And I think anybody in my position should not take that for granted because I can easily be working in a coal mine right now or working in a factory, breaking my body down just to keep my head above water or just to stay above the poverty line. And each and every day I walk out, I see a person like that. I see a homeless person, a person begging for food, a person who just don't know whether they're coming or going. And that put a lot of things in perspective for me. I could easily be this person. I think with that in the back of my mind, it lets me know that everything could be worse. Everything's going to be hard. Everybody's going to have their own experiences. But there are people out there who's really suffering. And what I'm doing in life is a luxury compared to what other people are doing. And to complain about my life and my career and so on and so forth, and not even acknowledging the good that's come from it, I think does a great disservice for the faith that I have and the fortunes that have been bestowed upon me. And just the hard work that has gone into me being who I am because I am an investment. My mother invested in me. She did not understand the arts, but she allowed me to pursue it because she saw how happy I was doing it. My teachers in college and grad school invested in me. My art teacher invested in me. So all these people saw something that was in me that I didn't see and they saw fit to foster it and have it grow. And it would be such a bad decision to just let it go to waste. I've taken everything that they've given me and I'm just constantly building upon it. And eventually it's gonna be a masterpiece within itself. And hopefully I live long to see it. But if I don't, at least I can say that with the time that I had on this earth, that I was able to do what I love to do. And I can be at peace knowing that I was able to put something out in the world that has my name on it, that I can say I was truly proud of. 
And that's more than what I can say for anything else in this world for me in my life right now. And I truly appreciate it. I'm blessed to be able to say it. That is beautiful, Joe. I think that is so well put. For everybody out there, it really is true. Look at what you have. Look at the mm. people that have invested in you. And mm. just pursue it. Because you're right. We're doing something that it truly is a luxury to mm. be able to work in games or television or film. Because there are a lot of jobs out there that are much more difficult and don't pay as well and are really, really hard. Mm -hmm. But we get to do this. Yeah. We get to entertain people. <laughs> This is great. I really am blessed to say it. There's no day where I wake up and think, man, I can be sick. I can be paralyzed. I can be with vegetable right now. I have people in my family who's battling cancer. My mom had cancer. And you see people that you talk to one day and they're gone the next day. Life is too short to worry about trivial things. And when you're able to do what you want to do, I think you need to be able to invest in it and move forward with it because you just never know when your time's up as well. So you better get it now while you can. Yeah. And speaking of your own time too, so the animation for Cuphead is done. Mm -hmm. You're working on merchandising and various design things, which is awesome. Are you also working on any personal projects right now, or do you have anything that you're going to want to work on? Yeah, I'm working on something for my aunt right now. She wants me to do an African history coloring book, and I still do other stuff on the side for myself personally. It's been hard. There's some stuff that I worked on last year that I haven't finished yet because my time has been so limited. With so much of the heavy lifting being done with Cuphead right now, I'm able to have a, a little breathing room and I can do other projects as well. So I'm definitely trying to be very, very focused on doing side projects because even though Cuphead is a great job, I need to show what else I can do in my portfolio. You know, everything is always about portfolio building as well. And I want to be able to show my character design chops, my illustration chops. And you can't do that just working on one thing. So I'm definitely making sure that I stay busy with other things outside of Cuphead. That's so. good. And will we be seeing you next year at GDC or E3 or PAX or any of the other animation Hopefully. Or video game conventions? Hopefully, I really enjoyed E3 of 2016. This was my first time at E3 and just being around all the people and talking to everybody and just enjoying the entire atmosphere. It's really, really fun. I'm not the most sociable person. I have only child syndrome. <laughs> you know, it's like, if I see you, I see. If I don't, I don't. But you know, once you get into that environment and you actually around the people and just talking with everybody, it's such a fun experience. Like I went to CTN last weekend and I wasn't even planning on going, but somebody invited me and hey, I can't turn down a free invite. So I was able to go and meet with all my classmates and different people in the industry and just have a good time. And those moments you just really don't get back. So hopefully I'm able to get somewhere you know, whether it's GDC or E3 or CTN next year, hopefully I'll be able to go. All right, and we'll hopefully see you there too. Yeah. And where can people find you online? I'm on Twitter at JosephColeman89. I have a website, jcolemanart.weebly.com, which I have to update with Cuphead stuff now. I'm on Behance as well, Joseph Coleman on Behance, and Facebook as well. I'm on Facebook, and that's pretty much it. All right. And I always like to ask people, is there anything that you would like to add? Or is there any knowledge that you wish that you could have given little Joseph Coleman when he was just a child and coming up in the world? <laughs> it's hard for me to say if I can tell my past self anything. Because I feel like everything that I've learned so far at the time that I've learned it actually worked for me. We could talk about any other aspect of my life. I saw this interview with like, oh yeah, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> 
Uh, we all know. <laughs> that's all right. As far as like my career choice, I feel like everything happened for a reason. Everything that I did not know at the time that I did not know it actually benefited me in the long run. Even now, I still have those moments like, oh man, I feel like I'm falling behind. I feel like I'm not where I need to be. But then you have somebody come up to you or you have people that you look up to come up to you and say, man, you're doing really well. And it's one of those things where you have to keep acknowledging that just because you feel like you're not where you need to be doesn't mean that it's true. It's a set of random circumstances for the most part that I feel like got me here. Even for example, when I was looking for colleges to go to, I was going to go to William Carey, which is an art school in Mississippi, but Hurricane Katrina hit. And because of that, I was forced to go up north, and that's how I ended up at Memphis College of Art. So it's just one of those things where I would not change my journey. Everything that happened happened for a reason. The unexpected circumstances, the lack of knowledge, how I was able to learn the people that I came across in my path and stuff like that. I would not change it, and I would not tell myself anything about it. I would let him experience it for himself because I know that it'll be for the better. You have to go through it in order to understand where you're going and I will not change it for the world. That's excellent. Well, Joseph, thank you so much for being a part of the show today and for letting me come to your lovely home, <laughs> hang out and talk with you about this because this has been a lot of fun and I'm really glad about all of your success and I know that you're going to just continue to do really great things. Thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you for allowing me to ramble on. Hopefully what I say you know, can actually help somebody out there and just understand that no matter what you do in life, if it's something that you love to do and you see opportunity in doing it, don't take it for granted. Don't get stuck on the hardships that come with it. Just look at it and see how fun it is to do what you're doing and keep that close to your chest and keep it moving. Like I said, it's fun. I really am enjoying what I'm doing and it's beautiful. That's the best way I can articulate it. My journey right now is beautiful and hopefully it can only get better from here. Thankfully, we're both in a career where as long as you keep your body healthy, you can keep doing it to the grave. The nine old men, they were still doing it when they was in their 90s, so hopefully we're blessed to say the same thing. I concur with that sentiment exactly. Here's to animating until we're 100 years old. <laughs> and that concludes my interview with Joseph Coleman. Special thanks to Joseph for being a wonderful guest. And make sure to check out the links to his websites in the show notes. And if you've enjoyed today's interview, please leave a positive review in iTunes. All of your reviews help more and more people to find out about the show. And you can also contribute to the show by visiting www.theanimatedjourney.com and donating via PayPal. You can just click on the PayPal link on the right-hand side of the page. All of your donations directly help the show by enabling me to pay for the technical costs associated with running the podcast. And thank you so much to everyone who has donated. I truly appreciate it. And you can also support the show by supporting our sponsors, Amazon, Audible, Loot Crate, and Blueberry Podcast Hosting. Every time you click on the banner ads and make a purchase, a little bit of money comes back to the show. So thank you to everyone who has supported our sponsors. They appreciate it, and I appreciate it as well. And to see what else is going on in the world of animation, you can check out the Facebook page at facebook.com slash theanimatedjourney. On Tumblr, the site is theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at animjourney. And to see what I've been up to lately, you can check out my website 
at www.sketchysoul.com. On Tumblr, the site is sketchysoul.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at sketchysoul. And also, I'm very excited to announce that I contributed a comic to the Story Collider. The Story Collider is a podcast featuring stories about professionals working in science. And I had the opportunity to create a comic based on a story told by neuroscientist Paula Croxon. And my story is part of an anthology series. And there's a link to the Story Collider in the show notes. So make sure to check that out and pick up your copy of the comic. Myself, along with friend of the show and former guest Cassie Soliday, and two others contributed comics as well. So again, make sure to check that out. And make sure to check out Jeff's websites at www.jeffbot.com. That's J-E-F-B-O-T.com. On Tumblr, it's jeffbot.tumblr.com. On Twitter, it's at jeffbot. And on Instagram, it's at shootzee. And that's S-H-O-O-T-Z-E-E. So until next time, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody. Bye.